Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen, and today is July 17th. Today we're going to continue talking about Amulek's testimony in Alma chapter 34. If you'll remember, yesterday we talked about Amulek's testimony and how he knew that Christ would come because God had spoken it, and he believed. So we talked yesterday about believing God when he tells us that he cannot look upon sin with the least degree of allowance. He can't do it because of justice. Justice is a law that he has to abide. And if he were to disobey the law of justice, he would cease to be God. He cannot and will not excuse away or justify sins. And we have to believe him when he tells us that. However, and this is a big however, because this is what gives us the hope of the gospel. If we're going to believe him when he talks about justice, then we also have to believe him when he speaks of redemption through Christ and of forgiveness. We have to believe him when he speaks of mercy. And that is something that Amulek understands and something that he teaches the Zoramites in verses 15 and 16. He says, And thus he shall bring salvation to all those who shall believe on his name, this being the intent of this last sacrifice to bring about the bowels of mercy, which overpowereth justice, and bringeth about means unto men, that they may have faith unto repentance. And this mercy can satisfy the demands of justice, and encircles them in the arms of safety, while he that exercises no faith unto repentance is exposed to the whole law of the demands of justice. Therefore, only unto him that has faith unto repentance, is brought about the great and eternal plan of redemption. Okay, that's almost the entire plan of salvation summarized in two verses. Where do you even start with that? I love how this verse helps us understand that God does not choose to look the other way from our sins because of mercy. He can't do that. Instead, the law of mercy paid the demands of justice. Nothing is excused away, nothing is justified, nothing is swept under the rug. It is paid for and considered done because of the infinite sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But I also love how Amulek makes it very clear that there is a condition attached to the law of mercy. It doesn't just come because we sin and God wants to forgive us. It comes because we have faith enough to repent. And as we have faith and as we repent, then mercy, because of the atonement of Jesus Christ, can pay the demands of justice. Elder Uchtdorf said in a talk called The Gift of Grace, Through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the plan of mercy appeases the demands of justice and brings about means unto men that they may have faith unto repentance. Our sins, though they may be as scarlet, can become white as snow because our Savior gave himself a ransom for all. An entrance to his everlasting kingdom is provided unto us. The gate is unlocked. But the grace of God does not merely restore us to our previous innocent state. If salvation means only erasing our mistakes and sins, then salvation, as wonderful as it is, does not fulfill the Father's aspirations for us. His aim is much higher. He wants sons and daughters to become like him. With the gift of God's grace, 
the path of discipleship does not lead backwards, it leads upwards. It leads to heights we can scarcely comprehend. It leads to exaltation in the celestial kingdom of our Heavenly Father, where we, surrounded by our loved ones, receive of His fullness and of His glory. All things are ours, and we are Christ's. Indeed, all that the Father hath shall be given unto us. To inherit this glory, we need more than just an unlocked gate. We must enter through this gate with a heart's desire to be changed. A change so dramatic that the scriptures describe it as being born again, yea, born of God, changed from our worldly and fallen state to a state of righteousness, being redeemed of God, becoming his sons and daughters. Now, I love this quote because I used to think of the atonement as like a math problem and not like the simple two plus two equals four. I'm talking about the two plus what equals four type of math problem. It gets tricky when they start leaving out that middle number. <laughs> but I used to think, okay, if we're trying to get four and I've done everything that I could do, I've worked as hard as I could, and I only ended up with two. Well, then the atonement is what gives me the extra two to help me become four. But I was missing such an important aspect of the atonement when I thought about it like that. I think I even taught it like that as a seminary teacher, and I'm kind of embarrassed about that now. Because God's desire is not to get us back to four. He doesn't want to just restore us to our imperfect selves, like Elder Uchtdorf said. His purpose is higher And he wants us to become like him. So it's not two plus two equals four. It's two plus everything equals infinity. And that is one of the reasons why the atonement is referred to as the infinite atonement. Because the powers of the atonement are infinite. What the atonement can do for us is infinite. And oftentimes I fear that we live beneath the blessings of the atonement of Jesus Christ. I fear far too often we just try to get restored to two plus two equals four, and we overlook the fact that the grace of Jesus Christ, the enabling power of Jesus Christ, can make us more, can make us better, can make us holier, and can raise us not just to salvation, but to exaltation. That enabling power allows us to do better, to be better, and to have strength beyond our natural capabilities, beyond our natural man. Gives us strength to forgive. It gives us strength to overcome weakness. It gives us strength to serve. I love the first verse of the hymn, Lord, I Would Follow Thee, where it says, Savior, may I learn to love thee. Walk the path that thou hast shown. Pause to help and lift another, finding strength beyond my own. That is the enabling power of Jesus Christ. It's the strength beyond our own that we find as we strive to follow him. Whether that's in service, whether it's in forgiveness, whether it's in overcoming our temptations and weaknesses, anytime we receive strength beyond our own, capacity beyond what we ourselves are capable of, that 
is the enabling power of Jesus Christ taking effect in our life. That is grace. Moroni teaches us in Moroni chapter 10, verse 32, that as we come unto Christ, as we're trying to be like him, and as we deny ourselves of ungodliness, then his grace is sufficient for you. As we strive a little harder to be a little better, the grace of the Savior will strengthen us to do more. In the beautiful pioneer anthem, Come, Come Ye Saints, remember what it says. Grace shall be as your day. Some days are easier. Some days I can do it all. I can accomplish everything. I can be a great mom and a great wife and a great Latter-day Saint. But some days are just hard. But I testify that as we are trying to come closer to the Savior, as we're striving to deny ourselves of all ungodliness, as we're turning towards the Savior and repenting of our sins and asking for that enabling power, that grace to come into our lives, I testify that His grace will come into our lives to the degree that we need it in that day, in that hour, in that minute. Truly, my friends, I know that grace can and will be as your day. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to subscribe, to like, to comment, and to share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen.